welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced, as all things should be. My name is Isaac Edlin. I am your host tonight. And with me, I have two fellow Infinity Bros. The first is my good friend, Zane Ellis. How are you doing, Zane? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Just another fun AM podcast. Robbie's making noises. Well, now we can't can't edit that out. He could have just edited it out, Zane. Gosh dang it. I don't want him to. We don't want Max to have an easy time editing ever. Like, we always want to make it harder on Max. So, the other uh, fellow Infinity Bro that you guys have already heard was Robbie Sauter. How you doing, Robbie? I I hate this show. I just come on here and I thought it was going to be great and Zane just ruins it. How did you feel being the, the second one announced and Zane was announced ahead of you? How did that make you feel? Zane puts a lot of work in for the Infinity Bros. He shows up, he wakes up, you know, at like, I don't know, 10 o'clock and hops on. Rolls out of bed, walks two steps to his chair to to get on his computer. And Let's be honest, he's sitting on his his bed right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sitting in my chair. Not quite. <laughs> well, guys, we have a jam-packed show for you today. We are going to be talking two big shows that we've been reviewing, The Last of Us. And the Mandalorian. A um, lot of stuff to talk about. But first, we want to make sure that if you have never listened to the Infinity Bros before, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, theinfinitybros.com, Discord, Hive. I think there's maybe like some other things in there, but you know, those are like all the big main ones, especially Hive. We're totally super duper active on that. Jared made an account and like, you know, pieced out after like a day. Good times. Yeah, Hive, Hive is not, not <laughs> it's it. Not a thing. It's not a thing. Not it. Anyways, uh, yeah, we uh, would be very excited to hear from you. You can email us at the Infinity Bros podcast at gmail.com if you have any feedback. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And like I said, we've got some a lot of things to get to. So what do you guys want to discuss first? Last of Us or Mandalorian? Group vote. You're you're the host. Yeah, but I'm not like Max. I don't I don't want to just like control the conversation. You know what? Yeah, I'm different. I'm different. I'm di- I'm built different. <laughs> built different. I'm built different. The Mandalorian was was pretty good, and there's there. I feel like there's more drama to talk about with the Mandalorian. Okay. Based not not on based on the show, based on people's reactions to it, based on a TikTok that you made earlier. Yes. Right. Sure. So check out the Infinity Bros on TikTok to hear what we're talking about. Okay, let's talk about the Mandalorian. <clears throat> well, guys, episode two of the Mandalorian. Actually, first before we get into it, I suppose we should probably play our Raider bump rating bumper. Wow, that was a that was a like Screw out my words here. We rate things a specific way on the Infinity Bros podcast. So check that out right here. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast. Everything is ranked from a 0 to 6 point scale. 0 meaning horrible, and 6 meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a 6, it gets an Infinity Snap. Now that you know how we rate things, we're going to get into The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 2. We are going to be talking all things spoilers, so make sure you have gone and watch this episode. You're going to want to watch this episode anyways, because it's a banger. But, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, 
make sure you pause this podcast. We already got your download. You know, it's all good. Uh, go watch the episode and then come back and listen to us talk about it for a little bit. But here is your official spoiler warning. This is prepare yourself at infinity bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Warning. All right, guys, Mandalorian season three, episode two. A lot of good stuff in this episode. It's uh, basically, you know, what happens is uh, Mando ends up going to Mandalore to check out the mines. We've been talking about, you know, him going to Mandalore to redeem himself for a long time now. And he finally gets down there. First of all, though, I do want to before we get down there. There's one little thing that bugs me about the Mandalorian. Now, our good friend Scott Higa has been ripping on the Mandalorian many, many different things. Go listen to the Christian Nerd podcast. Yeah, that, that's a little bit more drama to, to that as well. Um, he, he literally has a segment on his podcast uh, to rip on the Mandalorian. So, you know, if you want to, if you're, if you're not liking the Mandalorian, make sure you go listen to the Christian Nerd and you can that's get your, your, guy. your daily ripping in on the Mandalorian. But there is one thing that bugs me about the Mandalorian in general, and it's Peli Mato. Don't don't like her. Uh, she's just doesn't seem to fit in the Mandalorian. Like every time I come on on a scene with her in it, it's just like it feels like it takes me out of the episode. She's she's like goofy and funny and that's fine. Like I'm not, I'm not her character in itself is not like a terrible character or anything. It just feels so out of place with the Mandalorian. It just, I don't know, man, what do you guys think about Peli Mato? Cause are, am I the only one that thinks this way that feels this way about her? He just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't, I don't think it takes me like completely like out of the show or anything, but I think it just fits more into like, Hey, the star Wars universe is full of quirky characters that, like they're gonna just be different or have you know different aspects and you know maybe that's part of just the being able to just write that off of being like oh this is just another you know one of these quirky characters but i i think it's more of just like it, it gets the weird anytime it's any of those scenes because you're like i just want action like i want him just like like it's fine of just like a you know a quick thing or like last season or or was that the book about the 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 segment they had like when they're building a ship like that stuff that makes was, sense yeah, but like Boba Fett, wasn't it? yeah it was book of Boba Fett yeah but then yeah you have some where it where it's like plot driven and it's just a quick like okay that makes sense but it's just like I don't need much time invested in her character like it's just kind of a hey I got this person when I need some random part or some one I'm looking for information for like that's kind of the point of that character and as long as that's what the role she hits that's fine i don't have any issues with her she doesn't have that much screen time isaac why are you so offended by her <laughs> i'm not she's offended a happy, by her like she's i said a happy I don't, I don't person with her. a personality in like the mandalorian series like this lady's having a good time i hate it <laughs> no i that's not my issue with her i like i said i don't hate her as a character it just feels like she doesn't fit in the mandalorian 
Like it, it just kind of takes me out of it every time we come upon her. But you and, ever like you ever there's always that person at work that like I'm working or whatever. And then there's a person that's like way too happy. You know, you ever have those people? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's where she sits in. Like she's just more happy and more like giddy than everyone else for no reason. And it's just that's just who she is as a person. And that's fine. Like, he, okay, here's an example of this, what I'm saying. All right. So <laughs> man, or Mando Dingerin is looking for parts for IG-11, right? Yeah, so he yeah. can so he can fix IG-11 to watch Grogu while he goes and explores Mandalore. But she, he gets there and she's like, oh, you don't need that. Here's this like astromech that is... It makes no sense that this astromech would be like exploring for <laughs> caves of Mandalore for Dingerin. Yeah, I know, but she's also his friend. So, like, man, so this is this is it. This is it. It doesn't it doesn't like make sense to me that Mando is okay with this. Like, he's like, oh yeah, this this astromech, which can barely even roll on a flat surface is going to go to Mandalore and explore with me. Like that makes zero sense to me. I was just like, why are you okay with this Mando? You should have been like, um, no. Be mad at Mando's judgment then. Well, that that's not her fault that he bought the mech. He's got, apparently he's got a soft spot for her because like that, that part just didn't make any sense to me. I thought that was, that was odd that Din would allow that to happen. This is not the argument that I thought we would have on the show today. I did not think this was coming. <laughs> Part of that, too, is kind of the necessary because it's like the mech has the ability to scan the exactly. environment. Like, so it was kind of necessary. He, I can understand. I'm like, IG-11 would be able to scan the environment as well. I mean, right, like, but how are you going to fix IG-11? They had the astromech there. They didn't have the memory core. It just like it just doesn't make sense to me, man. You needed a mech to be able to at least scan the environment to know it was safe to breathe. You could have picked almost any droid. Like, why did you pick that one? Maybe other droids don't have that scanning ability. <laughs> I just astromechs no. would because it goes in the ship and you got to fly on other planets so they can tell you the atmosphere conditions. It makes sense. No, no, it doesn't make sense. Sending it to scout out in a cave probably doesn't make a ton of sense, but like, having it there was like R2D2 on on uh Dagobah. Like the guy can barely make it. It's a jungle environment. Like you don't like you can't have an astromech there, but R2D2 is there by accident. Mando takes this guy here on purpose. It's just like what no, this, this doesn't make sense to me. But Pelimato is the reason that that scene happened, and I don't like it. So you just you, you just hate the hustle of Pelimato. That's all. That's all. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I'm too I'm too like green, and I don't like that she's hustling him. You didn't like that she was out there like sabotaging other people's speeders on Boons of Eve to sell their parts back. (laughs) So Ellie just so she's like, no, no, no. Sour taste in my mouth for it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so going back to episode one of uh, of season three, we saw Bo-Katan, right? Um, Mando goes to whatever, like, moon that she's on, and she's all by herself. This is another part that I thought was kind of, like, weird. She go- She's all by herself. She says that her crew has gone to join other, like, forces and, like, you know, work mercenary stuff, basically. Because she was so bent on, like, hey, we need to take over Mandalore type of thing. Um, to me, this is just 
it was a little bit of a weird side quest. Like, and the Mandalorian is well known for being basically a, a fetch like side quest, like episodic, like, Hey, this episode, we're going to go fetch this to get to our ne- next objective. Like that part of it was, you know, that, that part of it's fine, but they immediately are like, Oh, we need to go fetch, fetch, or uh, fix IG 11. Then he goes to Bo-Katan and says he's going to Mandalore. And it's like, wait a minute. Like why, why did we go to Bo-Katan now? Like it, it seemed like they kind of forced that part in and it's for episode two where she comes and rescues him on Mandalore. Like that he obviously well, needed spoilers. to connect with her on, well, we already gave the spoiler warning. <laughs> already. He already, so he already connected with her. So then she comes to save him. In episode two. But so that part was a little like wonky. I was like, why they kind of like forced that in there a little bit to me. But, you know, I'm willing to bypass that. Bo-Katan is a sweet character and she kicks butt in this episode. So it's like, OK, I, I think to add to that, though, part of the reason why he went and talked to her, because if you picked up on that episode, like Jin has never been on Mandalore before. So by going to talk to her, she would know where the mines are. She would know where the city like like kind of what the purpose was like, she would kind of know where to go. So it kind of, in a way, he went makes there for sense. He yeah. went there for information because he's never been on Mandalore before. You know? That part makes sense to me, but it, it was weird that they jumped from like, Oh, I got to fix IG 11. And then he went to Bo-Katan. Like he just like, was like, Oh yeah, we can do that later. It's fine. But he seemed like so bent on fixing IG 11 in the first half of the episode that it just seemed like a weird jump to me. But you know, like I said, it, it, it was a needed, um, not introduction, but like it was a meeting that needed to happen in order for this episode. I will happen. say it is weird that he was so sad having that droid go with him. It's like, there's plenty of droids in the universe, dude. Just take any droid. He was like, no, I need the one that's like cemented down that you guys are using. as <laughs> The a- one that literally has like two parts left. I need to fix this guy. That is such a weird like Mando thing. <laughs> like it's a robot dog like just get another robot Jeez. yeah but he rewired it so he, it's the only one he trusted well the, it blew himself up so who cares he can rewire <laughs> I mean, he another literally one tried to attack him in the first episode so well that's because it went back to its default settings <laughs> yeah and, Man- and Mandel couldn't hit so the he's gonna have to rewire him again and and not to mention <laughs> fix all the like you know 16 billion parts that he's missing from it <laughs> Oh, such a weird hill for Mando to die on. Like, no, I need this one. <laughs> and then he just gives it up so so freely when he gets to Pelimani. He's like, okay, you're right. I just I'll take this astromech. <laughs> like, it's almost like first? it's almost like the writers like were like, yeah, we're gonna do like five episodes on him finding all the pieces to make him, and then they're like, you know what, that's stupid. <laughs> and they're like, hey, just, hey, take just the, give it up. We'll, take we'll the take crappiest the droid you can. Okay, well, you can't hate on R5. R5's an OG. He's been there since the yes, beginning. Yes, he's been around. I like, don't care. I mean, like, but that's the whole point of R5. Right? He, 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 was, he was in New Hope. Like, he's an OG character. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Wow. He was in New Hope. Wow. Oh, Star Wars fan service. Oh, good for them. That's what I thought. It was awesome. I was in a new home. He doesn't go on the adventures that R2 gets because he broke when Luke went to pick him. Okay. Yeah. So maybe he deserves what he's getting now. So R5 has always been trash. Got it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So anyways, 
they see Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan's like, you guys are crazy. Whatever. And she's, by the way, she's just like chilling by herself in this fortress. Like, what is she doing? She's just, just in her like, chair all day. Open, moping by herself in this giant fortress. Like, at least go with your friends that are doing mercenary work or something. Like, do something. Like, it seems weird that she's just here moping in by herself. In full get up, too. Like, she's not like in a robe, like chilling. In this like, very strategic, like, sloped sit in her chair. in her chair thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, hey, it was epic. So, you know, worth it. Was it was epic. And, like, when you think about it, like, 100% that's something I would do too. Like, could you imagine you're just like, oh, hey, we're going to go check out in on Zane's house. And you just see me sitting on a chair and like I'm dressed like Master Chief. Like, Zane, why are you dressed like? Because I can. Do you do anything? No, I'm just sitting here. I'm single and surrounded by robots. I can do what I want. <laughs> this is my castle. I'm Jordan Party. Okay, I do whatever I want. Oh, that's an insight that no one gets. That's Come fine. On, it's fine. It's fine, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun stuff all right so anyways they get to mandalore uh they're gonna be like exploring he sends the astromech out <laughs> he sends the astromech out gets lost immediately <laughs> like they go through all this trouble to do like oh they analyze the environment blah 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 and then he's like ah i guess i'll just pressurize my helmet and go anyways <laughs> like okay i guess you could have just done that in the first place you know but Anyways, he goes out, rescues R5. Um, there's some uh, dudes that have been living on Mandalore, apparently, um, that are, that are, we find out later in the episode, these guys are native to Mandalore. They're not like raiders or whatever that have like, you know, traveled to Mandalore after the destruction of it. Like they were natives on Mandalore, kind of living in the caves and stuff. And then they kind of came to the surface when everything happened and everybody left so well, i thought it was the opposite didn't they like live in the wastelands and after they got glassed that's when they went to the caves mm, isn't that what bokatan said I, I maybe maybe i missed that i i, I mean either way the yeah they're like they're right. native to mandalore right. they're weird yeah. looking glowy eye dudes gotcha so they so they yeah they come to the civic center and they're kind of like they kind of take over and they're like scavengers basically um so they end up attacking, you know, Mando and Grogu and Grogu or Mando fights them off. No problem. Like they're not like, you know, uh, severely overpowering or anything. They they keep exploring. Um, finally, we get to this part where this is this is the most interesting part of this episode to me. We get this like. Basically, like. Crab, he's like a cyborg, but he's living. He's like a he's a living organism. Because you see his eye, right? But he's got like a cyborg body, and he's he kind of does look a bionicle. Honestly, no, that's, like, no, that's yeah. little, little, that's a, there's there's a there's a set of bionicles that it's literally just like a slug that lives they, in the head of the bionicle. Did they just copy off of bionicle? <laughs> they just stole <laughs> they bionicle from Lego. Yeah. Okay, I saw this guy and immediately was like, "Okay, that's awesome. Uh, I love this guy." And then, spoiler alert, they kill him off. And I was like, wait a minute. I want to know more about this guy. What what, what the heck is this thing? Wait, wait. We don't know that he's dead. Because remember, he because he crawled because he crawled then to the big crab. And she just cut off the big head of the crab. She but then like, she she he was crawling away and she didn't she, she like stabbed it. 
Yeah, she's. Oh, did she stab him? Did I? Did she's, I yeah, did she I stabbed it afterwards. Yeah. Oh shoot. So, Sorry. I mean, like it would be. I guess he could survive it. Like it was Star Wars, but you know, I that that seemed to me like he was pretty much dead. But I was like, dude, I want to know about this thing. What? Why do we know nothing about this thing? This I thing is. Know, awesome. I want to know how long that thing was laying under the ground in the crab robot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that when Mandalorians were there. You know, was it just like creeping around? Well, I don't think it would have been that long. Like it had probably made a living of eating the, the other creatures that were there. That's why it had the trap there. Well, you should, but it seemed like it was collecting Mandalorian armor. Like it's waiting for Man- oh, yeah. like Mandalore people to come there and then like. Maybe like them. Mandalorians are like the delicacy. It's just like it's just gonna eat like the 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 the, the low the scummy this, stuff, and then occasionally definitely more diabolical too, because like he was he put this like needle in Mandalorian, he was like extracting Blood. fluids from yeah. the Mandalorian. <laughs> like, is he gonna keep him alive and keep doing this? Like, I was like, oh gosh, this is, this is some Mad, Mad Max blood bag type stuff. <laughs> I'm sure that thing has some sort of name that we'll get in the lore of some Star Wars person will help us out with that. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, that was an interesting yeah. character. Shout us out, man, because I wanted to know more about this thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It kind of reminded me of you know, general Grievous. Like, if Grievous survived, this could be That's Grievous. That's what I thought. I and, thought that, too. Know, like, way later, he, like, yeah. somehow scrapped himself together and made it to Mandalore, and now he's just, like, living off of the remains of whatever is on Mandalore. Like, that would be wild. Just watch, like, some executive's gonna be, like, bored and be, like, he's gonna be in an, in an interview, and they're gonna be like, yeah, that was Drew, that was Grievous, yeah. <laughs> she just had his brain and eye and some little legs, and now we, uh, <laughs> We killed him. Didn't want to make a big deal out of it. But he did. <laughs> didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Uh, I was a little sad that we didn't hear more about him. I wanted to know what the heck is going on with this dude. That was that was a crazy part. That was one of my favorite parts, honestly, because that thing was sweet. <clears throat> but anyways, yeah, so he captures the Mandalorian. Grogu sees this happen, follows him down. Uh, Grogu taking great initiative here. Man, it, Zane, wouldn't it be great if you had like this capsule that just floated you around everywhere? It'd be, be like, right? oh my goodness. How does that thing work? I don't know. At first, awesome. I thought Grogu would like use the force to just fly it around, but like, well, I don't I, think, I, it's I, like I, a it's like a floating wheelchair, is what it is. Well, because I thought it was something like even like a, a baby rich, cradle thing. Well, right, but then it's it's like tied to like a beacon that Mandalorian has on his belt, so like it always stays within, so like it's mag whatever but then it always right. follows mandalorian but seems, right but it seems like grogu has it's some kind of control over it's it a, in this episode. it's like a high functioning stroller is what it is it's a fancy fancy what is that what is that a pram i think they're called just a fancy what? pram i don't know i don't know what you're talking we what have we have kids that? and we have no idea what you're talking about google then, it so. it's 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 them old stuff. school like baby carriages that you'd push like oh. you'd see in like 1800 victorian yeah, they're just called strollers now no, they're called call prams <laughs> okay history major um actually they're called prams <laughs> so grogu goes watches all this happen and mando tells him to go find bokatan which Thankfully, Man- Mando showed him a little map in his, uh, you know, starship of like where to go. So he points that R5 gets him out of there, gets him to Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan's like, yeah, all right, I guess we should go. We should go save him. 
She comes down, kicks butt. Despite the weird-ish introduction to Bo-Katan in episode one, I she kicks butt in this episode, and I oh. I love her character. Katie Sackhoff does an incredible job. Which for those of you guys who don't know, Katie Sackhoff played Bo-Katan in the animated series, like Star Wars yeah, Rebels. Voice, right? yeah. She is she voice right? Uh, is she in is she in Clone Wars at all? Zane, do you, I think she might be in like one oh, yeah. episode. No, Bo-Katan's in Clone Wars a lot. Is she? Is she? Am I thinking of Clone Wars more than Rebels? Then she's in Rebels too, though. Yeah, she's in Rebels because she's well, she she's in both. She but the Dark Saber stuff with Sabine. Well, because well, well, right, but yeah, you get a ton more of they the Mandalore go, story they, in Clone right, Wars. They do that Mandalore arc, and it focuses more on her sister, who is the queen of Mandalore at that time. Yeah, I'm because that's that's uh, Obi Wan's. Uh, yeah. Main squeeze. Satine. Satine. Yeah. Okay. Satine. Yeah. So Bo-Katan, I mean, she kicked butt in this episode. I, I love seeing all the different Mandalorian armor too. Like in episode yeah. one, when we're like, when we get that opening scene with the armor, like inducting that kid or whatever, and you see all the different types of Mandalorian armor. That was so cool. I thought that was a really, really awesome moment. Um, also we get to see a little snippet of, uh, Grogu's force powers as he's coming out of the cave. He, he gets confronted by, uh, the gosh, what are these things called? Alum, alumates, the, the native Mandalorian. Oh yeah. Dudes. Yeah. Alumates or alumates. So he gets confronted and we see him just totally chuck a dude out of the way. Like no problem. Like, Grogu is is he's got some uh, he's got some training under his belt now. Like he's getting legit. Do we see Grogu in Mandalorian armor by the end of this season? I don't think so. I w- I could see like it'd be awesome little, like shoulder pads maybe, mm-hmm. but like you can't put a helmet on him because that just oh, you just like, you just make little slits in the the sides of the but, helmet so his ears like. But stick we've out. seen so many like edits of that, and it's like that'd be kind of cool i don't think so though i saw i saw a wild fan theory tiktok the other day that was like they thought that grogu was going to be leader of mandalore by the end of this season and i was like what oh my god he's gonna be like three years old in terms of size by that time like he still is babbling and can't speak words but he is starting to say things though that was the best part of his babbling Adorable. Adorable. I I thought when you were talking about his force powers that you were going to talk about him like force powering his chair into circles. That was in episode one. Because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to see his force powers when he's just stealing stealing snacks. How many of us if we had force powers, we'd use it for stuff like, like all of us. Oh right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, my, like, it'd be like the remotes on the other side of the room. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always think of the scene in I think it's episode two where Padme and Anakin are in Naboo and they're like hiding out or whatever, and he's like just floating pairs across the table <laughs> to yeah. Padme and stuff. I always thought of that. I'm like, oh yeah, I'd totally do that. I totally ask and use your words, but it's tough to be all the time. Oh, it'd be awesome. If only, if only we were force users, guys. Yeah. The things we could do. It'd be great. Or but anyways, gro- 
Carfoy doing <laughs> exactly? Grogu is adorable. And yeah, his babbling is just, oh my gosh. Every every time I see him and I think I'm going to get over him, like before the season, I was like, eh, Grogu's cute. You know, like yeah. I think I think everybody's over the cuteness. But like we get into these two season, two episodes, and it's like, no, every time he's on scene, I'm like, Duh, I absolutely love Grogu. I would I would die for Grogu. <laughs> Oh, all right. Kid is uh, adorable. So anyways, Bo, Bo-Katan comes and she uh, goes down to rescue and pretty much dispatches this creepy cyborg crab thing like easily, which I know like he took he took Mando by surprise. So like that's that's one thing. But like I was like, man, she really didn't. It didn't take her long to take this thing out. I mean, she did have the dark saber for like when he went in the big tank thing. So that was, you know, that was understandable, but we do get that, that moment where she grabs the dark saber and she wields it again. I need, I think they explained this in the show, but I just need a better clarification on it. Why is she able to use the dark saber so well? And Mando can't, I need that explained to me again. Like I'm an idiot because I just, I, I don't get it. Same so, go. Well, so <laughs> this means you need to rewatch Book of Boba Fett because it's odd that that's where the explanation comes from, but then also from the end of the series. But so the the dark saber, I don't that's remember it's because of the the metal it's made out of. But basically, you have to be clear focused to use the lightsaber. So it's heavy when Jin uses it because he's not like fully clear on who he is and what his purpose is, whereas mm-hmm. Bo-Katan is. So it's basically like. The, the wielder of the Darksaber, when you're clear and focused and you base, you don't have inner turmoil, that's when the saber isn't heavy. So it like reflects kind of your own inward emotional mm-hmm. mental state. So it's a lightweight Mjolnir. Yeah, more or less. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah. That's an interesting comparison, actually. It's interesting, though. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that's why when he yeah, uses it, like he can use it, but it's so heavy and he just does, you know, large... Chops, yeah, he, whereas when Bo-Katan uses it, it's just because she right, has yeah. his focus on what she's doing. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to watch how he uses it because it reminds me of like the Monster Hunter video games when you have like a dual wielded right sword or whatever, and you can only do like two movements, and then you're you're just yep. wide open for hits. Because right. it, it's also just so like chop for him because like he, even when you remember like when he wanted like he doesn't want the dark saber. Mm-hmm. So that's right. like adding to all that. So like, that's why he, right. he's and not a refined user of it. It's definitely explained like pretty clear in that. But also if you go back to rebels, I mean, Sabine goes through basically the same thing. Like she, she has it initially and it's really super heavy for her. And she basically has to go through, you know, like training to yep. realize how to, to wield it. So yeah. pretty, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, it's pretty sweet to watch uh, Bo-Katan just grab it and immediately go. Oh to yeah. Town. Just, yeah, that was cool. Work. So that was that was pretty cool, and that makes me think like, <clears throat> since she has it and she's wielding it, like maybe she has claim to it now that she's grabbed it and she has it. I and I don't know how sh- this is going to play out, but she obviously wants it to, so she can you know kind of claim the leader of Mandalore get everything moving, all that stuff. But at the same time, Mando technically 
owns it or whatever right now. So oh, right, because the only way you can pass ownership of the dark saber is you have to defeat the wielder by combat. Yeah. Right. And so exactly. technically, she hasn't beaten it back from Jin yet. Yeah. Exactly. And, but, th- and that's but the little crab dude did beat. True, but he, and but then he she never... beat him. Yes, because so... I I saw people talking about this as well. The thing is, the the crab person dude never took possession of the dark saber. Yeah, General Grievous two point <laughs> <laughs> oh, General Grievous would be all over that dark saber, man. Right, he would but, be like, like that was the point. The thing never actually took possession of the dark saber. So, so technically, you know, she beat him with the dark saber, but he wasn't the wielder of if it. If that thing were General Grievous, we would have panned to a wall of just oh, lightsabers. Oh, sick. I was just waiting for that in that fight, like before it even went back into the, the big crab tank thing. All of a sudden, it just like pulls out lightsabers, and we're like, "Oh my god! Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh!" Yeah, Zane and I would have just been fangirling in that moment so badly. <laughs> oh man, that would have been that would have been amazing. But no, I liked in this episode that. Mando wasn't the hero, like because Pedro Pascal has just been the hero all this time. Actually, this is kind of interesting. This week, Pedro Pascal took a backseat in both of his shows yeah. to women being the heroes, which maybe that was planned because it was International Women's Day on what was it Wednesday? Maybe that mm-hmm. was planned. If yeah. it was, holy crap, well done. But like that was kind of interesting. Like both shows that we're talking about this week, Pedro Pascal took a backseat to being the you know the savior to helping these people out like he was the mm-hmm. damsel in distress so that's yeah. kind of interesting yeah it is it's very interesting so <clears throat> speaking of mando in distress bo-katan rescues mando him using the dark saber we we get uh we get a little bit of background of bo-katan which i think was kind of cool so she goes into uh, she rescues mando they're at the you know fire recovering or whatever they're at the the rest stop um and she kind of goes into a little bit of her background like how mando is like man how come you you don't follow the creed like why is the creed not important to you and she's like honestly i was part of the like royal family and it was all show like it was it was basically something to just like have people rely on but it was not like law it wasn't like you know what we were following 100 percent. so that was kind of an interesting thing of as to get because that that part has always been kind of like i don't know iffy to me because we get this this cult that mando apparently is a part of um you know the the way or whatever the the children of what do they call yeah, them ch- again? children of the watch children of the watch and you know we see mandalorians and other media and most of them take their helmets off like no problem or whatever. So it really is interesting how we're seeing this, these two, you know, people groups of the same race interact. So it's kind of cool that we're getting a little bit more, more background on that part of it. Well, it's always an interesting, that whole Mandalorian culture. And like, that's something that's huge too, just from watching Clone Wars and Rebels to get more of that backstory. Cause it's just like, so like Bo-Katan, like she actually is Mandalorian. Like she's from Mandalore. Whereas Jin, he's not, he's taken the creed, but like they found him on like another planet. Like he's not actually from there. It's the same with like Jango Fett. Jango Fett wasn't an actual Mandalorian. He wore the armor and, you know, did the creed, but like he's not actually born on Mandalore. So I that kind of becomes where like 
part of there's a, a dichotomy there because like she's like Bo-Katan, she is actual Mandalorian, and that's I think where part of this story could go of just like this is the original, and I lost sight of you know like it's all a show. Whereas here's this guy, he's not even actually Mandalorian, but he truly believes it, and I think that there's probably some lesson that you know you can learn a little bit from each other there because yeah because like he even says in the show he grew up on that the the moon he'd never even been to mandalore mm-hmm. but yet they adhere to this strict you know hey you can't remove your helmet you can't which you know makes more sense of they're all none of those people are actually from mandalore and so yeah. they all group under the identity that they've found in their armor whereas then to a native mandalorian it's kind of like oh well that's kind of weird but it's just a, you know, culture clash, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just find it interesting that we're seeing that, that clash and, and we're probably going to see more of it as more of these Mandalorian mm-hmm. groups come back to Mandalore potentially in the coming season. And I assume that we're getting some kind of Mandalore redemption, you know, arc in this, in this season. So it will be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Last scene. Um, Mando goes to bathe in the the mines of uh, Mandalore and gets uh, <laughs> sucked down into the depths of the mines of Mandalore. And wow, this part was honestly what made this episode. Okay, but first, crazy to me. Did he fall or get pulled? That was exactly good. my thought too. <laughs> like, so he's wearing all that armor. It just takes the wrong step and just. Whoop, and he, makes, just he makes a point to remove his jetpacks to remove yeah. like some of the stuff on his back before he goes in there. So yeah, maybe he just sinks and it's just a drop off. Who knows? Because what we find in the depths mm. does not seem to be super interested in in them. At the moment, but he fell so far. He fell very so far. far. Like, so it doesn't far. make any sense that he fell. Like you can't. I can't yeah. accept that argument that he just fell that far. She was having her jetpack like shooting her down yeah. the water, like and angling around stuff. Like, like, like there's no like way he fell. Water with the jetpack and went all the way down there. That was so cool. I was like, oh, that was gosh. cool. It's like he 100% got pulled by that thing. I think it has a name. I saw it earlier. Or something else. So anyways, yeah. And she, before we, before we get into the, the, you know, minds of, of Mandalorian, when they're at the rest stop, they talk about, Bo-Katan kind of goes into a little bit about the, uh, (laughs) sorry, that just threw me off track. That was good. That was good. The drums Uh, of the deep. (laughs) <laughs> but they kind of go into a little bit of Mandalorian culture. She reads off this Mandalorian like plaque shard, whatever, and talks about the mythosaur, which is she says in this episode is the the skull of Mandalorian like this logo. That's what the the Mandalorian logo is based off of is the mythosaur skull, and I mean <laughs> the name the mythosaur. Is kind of just like right on the nose. Like she obviously believes that this thing existed at some point, but you know, doesn't think it probably exists at this point, the way that she's talking about it. Mm-hmm. When they're coming back up from the depths of, you know, the mines of Mandalore, the pools of whatever they call them, the pools of Mandalore or whatever, uh, we see a glimpse of this and we like the light shines right in the eye and they they make a really cool moment where Bo-Katan obviously is just shocked that this happened. And she like gasps and some like air comes out of the bottom of her helmet 
And I was like, oh my gosh, like, oh, that was so cool. And, you know, obviously shoots to the surface and and rescues. But the, the mythosaur does, like, again, does not seem super interested in them. Like, it kind of just turns off to the side. And maybe the beginning of next episode is the mythosaur coming out of the depths and attacking them. I don't know. Who knows? But for that moment in it seemed that it was not really interested in them. Zane, as a, as a Star Wars nerd, what what were your reaction to this moment? Yeah, no, that was really cool to see. And like I said, kind of the clash of cultures on stuff. Because, yeah, you could tell that it's just like, oh, this is just the story. This is, you know, you know everything that she did being the royal family. And, you know, it's told all the tales. You did the motions. You have, like... Growing up on Mandalore, everyone knows the tale of Mandalore the First and how he defeated the Mythosaur, you know, all this stuff. And then to, yeah, as you're coming up, and then to see that and be like, oh, well, that's not actually a myth. Like, this was a real thing. Like, I, I think that's what, to, to us, you're like, oh, but I think in that moment, it was a, like, it's a huge realization thing for Bo-Katan. And yeah, it. Like I said, it didn't really seem interested. I think it, the power of that scene was more of just the reveal that, hey, this isn't just a, a, a myth. Like, this thing still lives down in these mines, like, where they originally said they were from. Like, so I, I, it'd be sweet because, you know me, as much as I love monsters, like, to have that thing come out and it doesn't even have to attack them. I just want to see the thing because, like, yeah. in lore, like, adult mythosaurs are, like, the size of, like, cities. Like This just these- sounds like smog. Like, it just sounds like this thing took over once they moved out and is now down there just living its best life. Well, no, is, that they, they, is that what's happening here? No, they built the citadel over the mine because that's where it was first yeah. defeated. And then they built over it. But it's like you didn't have and anything now this one beyond took it that. But this one took it back, right? Well, I don't know if it took it back or if this, that's just where it lived. We don't know if this is or the original one. Come from. Right. But it's another one. So it's a, this the is, like, right. is this just a baby? I mean, it, it could be. A I mean, mythosaur. it the lives in water, mythosaur. smog lived in gold. So, <laughs> yeah, it's the <laughs> so same it's thing. It's a little different. But, <laughs> but it, it's go, it went back to where they were. Right. Either way, it needs to be voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. We're exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to get to. Benedict Cumberbatch, and the thing better talk. He's in Star Wars. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that would be. What if that's just the the bit? They're like, oh yeah, we actually did mocap for the Mythosaur. It's Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, I just recently saw video of Benedict Cumberbatch actually doing mocap for Smog, and that was the first time I realized that he did that, and I was like, oh my gosh, like dude. Is like down on the ground, slithering around like a snake, doing mocap for this dragon. That was that was bonkers. But oh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that he would do mocap for the mythosaur as well. So there you go. Look for Benedict Cumberbatch to be uh, in the credits of of episode three of The Mandalorian. <laughs> well, guys, moment of truth. Robbie, what did you think of this episode? What was your rating? Uh, I gave this episode a five and a half out of six. Um, I thought it was really entertaining. I enjoyed it from start to finish. It was really cool to see Bo-Katan just kick butt. It was cool to see Grogu get in the ship by himself and fly away and kind of take control. And uh, yeah, we, I could use more of General Grievous little monster head. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Zane, what was your rating? Uh, I've given this a six out of six. Like I loved it. Like I 
could watch, you know, Boketown just destroying stuff with a dark saber just for hours. Like it had all the plot elements. You had a little bit of humor. You had some of these re- revelations. You got Grogu finally, like you kind of have that sense of like, Hey, you're not just this tag along character with, you know, Mando. And yeah, I, I really liked this episode. It was super fun. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I give this episode a five out of six for the, the reasons that I mentioned before still solid, really good episode. Um, but you know, again, like there's so many good episodes of the Mandalorian. Yeah. So to compare this to, you know, the really, really good episodes, it just, Mm. you know, it's not there, but it's not bad either. So last thing I want to talk about is actually what Robbie mentioned before. IGN gave this episode a five out of 10. Yeah. And, and one of the things they mentioned is that, it's because the episode is so dark and the action is hard to see. Well, get a better TV. Like just turn the lights off in your, in your viewing area. Why is this a problem? And why are you rating it low? Because of that, that, that was weird to me. I was like, I, I, I I want to speak on this because I just, I literally just bought a new TV and it's glorious. And I was like, I had zero issue seeing any of this. So I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, I mean, sure. It's a dark episode. They're in caves and stuff like that, but but it's not that dark. Right. Like, you know, adjust some settings and turn your lights off and exactly watch the episode. I don't understand why that's like decreasing your rating. Do you think, do you think IGN has like five people review these things and then they just go with whichever (laughs) one they think like might be the the most thing. seems competent. They go through with the one that's the most controversial to get them the most views. Maybe probably. not most controversial all the time, but I feel like they do go with like, which one is the most interesting? What do you think people will be most interested in? And they're going to go right. with that one. But this one had terrible, a terrible reason. It yeah. was too dark. Well, you're, you probably watched it outside. You idiot. Like <laughs> what? I watched it on my flip phone outside in the daylight and it was just too dark. I couldn't see it. Watched it on the, my projector screen on side of my house during the day. Right. Like, it wasn't that dark. There have been much darker shows that have been more difficult yeah. to watch than this. This, yeah. I felt, was fine. I don't know. So, yeah, so. just a weird weird criticism. IGN, what are you thinking? All right, guys. Well, as uh, Pedro Pascal was rescued by Bo-Katan in episode two of The Mandalorian season three, Joel was also rescued well, I shouldn't say rescued. The main focus of this episode of the The Last of Us, season eight. My gosh. <laughs> my, my, my season eight. Oh my goodness. goodness. I've, I've missed drink. a lot. I've <laughs> missed so much. <laughs> There's not even There's only two video games, but they're oh, all season eight. Around. Hey, this is this is wild. Joel's um, hundred and five. <laughs> this is this is Isaac from the future coming back. Season eight, guys. Season eight. Here it is, guys. It's really falling off now. Eight of oh. The Last of Us, where Ellie is the main focus. We're gonna get into spoilers for episode eight right off the bat. So, like, we already had a spoiler warning for season or my gosh, why can I not speak right now? <laughs> season three, episode two of The Mandalorian. Spoilers for episode eight of The Last of Us. Let's get right into it. What'd you guys think of this episode? Focusing on Ellie and Joel really is only in like five minutes of the episode. Maybe yeah. it's really not in a whole lot. 
What do you guys think of this episode? It was so awesome to see the storytelling that they are able to do in like these like 50 minute episodes because this episode really and a lot of these episodes have been just standalone episodes they they connect because they progress the story but it's not like this whole story leads to this episode and they're both like super connected like there's one main storyline right and then there's like all these little side quests and this is like a side quest that's like really really well done and it's just like they do such a good job with the writing on this. It's like you can jump into these and just watch one episode and like be satisfied, I feel like, without even knowing the context of other episodes. But with this one, they did such a good job building like the tension with the villain in this episode where you're like at first you're like he's OK. And then he kind of gets a little worse and then he gets a little worse and then he gets really bad. And like then we like get the whole finale with him but it's like they did such a good job building because it's so easy for a lot of shows to go this is the bad guy he's bad because of these reasons and you shouldn't like him but like they were like no he's nice oh he has yeah. a little bit of a dark side oh he's oh, has a real big dark side straight up evil <laughs> yeah he's this is the epitome of evil like yeah and that's what i appreciated about this episode they did such a good job building all the way up to the end and then they, you think, you ever like I haven't played the game, um, uh, up to this point. So like, me and everyone else who hasn't played the game is thinking like, all right, now Pedro Pascal comes in as Joel and he takes out this guy and saves, uh, and saves her. You know, that's what we're all thinking because that's the normal like trope: the hero saves the day and Joel's the hero, and that doesn't happen. And Ellie takes over and just messes this dude up. Yeah. And you're like, holy crap, that was awesome. This episode was great. And it like obviously it progresses the story, but it's its own standalone episode. And it was like, holy crap. Right. Like I and obviously it builds, I know a little bit of the future of The Last of Us. So obviously it builds for moving forward with Ellie that she can do things on her own. But my goodness, this was such a good episode. Yeah. And you made you made an interesting point that, that we're going to bring up a little bit later here um, that is a little bit of a difference from the video game. But first, I want to hear, uh, Zane, your thoughts on this episode. Yeah, I know this episode, like, if you listen to the last uh, or, or episode seven review, I said in there that, like, this was going to be a huge episode. And it's going to depend on how they did it, how... Um, Bella Ramsey did it like this was going to be a huge turning point and not uh, turning points, not the right word, but like this was the next stage of like, this is going to be an epic episode. And yeah, I thought they crushed it. Um, it was the fantastic storytelling. Like, yeah, like I said, it's different from the game. I think the game again does some stuff better, but you're going to different mediums here. But as far as telling the story of this arc from the game, like this was well done. It hits the notes it needed to hit. Um, I would have preferred maybe some other differences that they could have done more, but I understand why they did what they did. And yeah, just the setup that she got from David as the villain and everything that happened. Like this was, this was a very good episode. Yeah. I mean, you guys already hit on it. Like this is another show that I just, I keep being impressed by each episode that comes out because I think, wow, that was a fantastic episode. How can Mm -hmm. they get better than that? 
and it just keeps building like this. This is probably one of my favorite episodes this season. Um, and they did an incredible job of what you said, Robbie, introducing David, the kind of antagonist in this episode as kind of a nice guy. He's like, he's, he's just looking out for his people. And then you start learning more and more details about him. And you're like, holy crap. Like this is, this dude is, like I said, straight up evil. Like this this is probably the worst guy we've seen in in this series so far out of all the Raiders and all of the, you know, um, governments and all the stuff that we've seen. This dude is the worst. (laughs) He's, he's pretty bad. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Bella Ramsey just continues to absolutely destroy this role as, as Ellie. And she, she gets her own episode. This is her episode. And that's a little bit different from, you know, our previous episodes where I feel like they've been mostly focusing on Joel with, it's pretty equal. Like they've been focusing on Joel and Ellie pretty equally up until this point. This is an Ellie episode and really I think is going to, propel the future of this show. Um, so Zane, I know you obviously have played the game and you probably remember this game a lot more than I do just from listening to your episodes that I've, that I've, uh, you know, listened to our podcast. I, I started replaying it, this game again, cause there was, when it got to like episode four in, in this, uh, series, I was like, starting to not remember stuff. I was like, dang, is that, is that different from the game? Is that the same as the game? I don't really remember anymore. Um, but there were definitely some differences from this, uh, this episode to the game. And I think the main one that really is, is worth discussing is that Joel doesn't say, and he doesn't really save Ellie in the video game either, but like, Ellie goes through all this by herself and there's that actually that really pivotal scene in the burning restaurant. Like I, I remember that that's like burned into my, into my brain from the game where she's confronting David and, you know, she eventually ends up killing him. But in the video game, Joel gets there and he goes into the restaurant and she's like killing him as Joel finds, as Joel finds her and he pulls her off of him and basically brings her outside and, you know, like they go through all that. But like in this one, Ellie kills him and she's like, she's out of there by herself. Mm. And we get that embrace of Joel and Ellie after all that happened. Joel doesn't even in the, in the series, Joel doesn't even know what's going on. Like he, he just sees blood on her face. He knows that she has been through something and he like just pulls her in. He's like the baby girl line. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know that dude. Oh. When he was like, it's okay. Baby I, girl. I got, I got you, baby girl. Oh, oh gosh. My dad hurt. It. Oh, I know the dad hurt, man. Like, Oh, oh I lost it there. But man, you just see how like you find, we finally get a little bit of a payoff of their relationship because, and I think you even mentioned in one of the previous like review episodes that we've done, it just like we we get this back and forth between Joel and Ellie, and sometimes it seems like it's it's just too much. Like they're not they're not like meshing, they're not growing together as characters. This is where we see that growth finally pay off. Is like Joel actually cares about her, and he's like he's like heartbroken that she 
just went through this this trauma in that like very very small moment honestly um where he embraces her and it's just like oh my gosh yeah <laughs> that was oh fantastic moment but i don't know zane is that is that burning restaurant scene not like burned into your mind the same way oh, it was yeah. for me? oh, oh absolutely because that, that was such a just that the powerful moment of everything that ellie goes through and like yeah that's like that's like not that you want to get too much in symbolism or if that's what that means but it's just like the the whole everything's burning like it almost represents like the emotional turmoil inside of her that she's going through it's just like you have all this just fire around you everything's burning like she's got everything she's trying to watch for joel because she doesn't know if joel's gonna recover like he comes in later like she doesn't know that this dude just like trying to kill her so like that reaches that point in that series that you're just like emotions everything's at that peak and then she just just kills the guy just absolutely just explodes on him and just yeah. and just ends it right there and so like that's that's that moment in the game where because <clears throat> setting up i guess a little bit before this even this is the first time in the game you actually start playing as ellie mm-hmm. right. and so then you have this comedy and then so yeah this is like that huge moment of like ellie's very much still capable just like joel's capable on his own this is that first time you're like ellie's got that survivor in her too mm-hmm. right and this is really a pivotal moment in this series too ellie is the main character in this show and we kind of have been i mean every like everybody's been drooling over pedro pascal over the past, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm right there <laughs> with everybody truly over him. He was just on the hot ones, uh, YouTube channel, uh, yesterday. I think that episode dropped. Yeah. Yes, watch that immediately. Dude is a legend. I, I absolutely love Pedro Pascal, but <clears throat> it, this episode just, I mean, it showed us that like, he is he is fantastic and he is probably I, I don't even know if you can call him a supporting actor like he's uh, he is a main character in this series. But this episode showed us that Ellie is really the main character of this of this show. And I want to rewind a little bit because we need to talk more about David. Like this dude is <laughs> oh, man, he might be one of the creepiest pro or antagonists that we've seen in this series for for a while like mm-hmm. this dude just we we learn more and more about him through the episode and when when we find out like when ellie sees that ear on the ground in that moment where she's in the cage and we're we all collectively realize well obviously people that have played the game probably already know what's going on but people that are watching the series are like oh my gosh this is dark They're literally eating their own people (laughs) to stay alive one, but also like there's gotta be something that snaps in you to go to that point. Right. Like there's something, there's something going on here besides just starving and, you know, a zombie Mm -hmm. apocalypse going on. There's like, actually that he kind of sums it up when he's talking to Ellie. He's like, I got a violent heart and I know you have one too. That was kind of a, interesting moment and ellie shows her violent heart a little bit later in the episode and as she should because that dude was creepy and deserved to die that way so absolutely (laughs) that oh my gosh when he steps into the restaurant with the meat cleaver and he's like ellie i was like oh no (laughs) oh no here we go dude is just the creepiest creep (laughs) 
And man, yeah, just just wild. But the the actor that plays David just did a phenomenal job of of being, you know, a really creepy dude that you know, like like you said, I mean, you you really nailed it, Robbie. He he starts out as this nice guy and you kind of get some weird vibes from him initially anyways. You're like, eh, there's something weird about this guy. Uh, but he's, you know, he's working to like, you know, make a life for his people. He's working to try to get everybody on the same page. And we kind of see finally that bad side of him when he goes and smacks that girl when she like mouths off to him or whatever. And then you're like, oh, yeah. gosh. Okay. Even, well, even then, that's like a okay. This guy's just like an old school Bible right. thumper guy. You yeah. Know? Even then, I was like, yeah. okay, maybe he's not to- like he's not totally good, mm-hmm. but like maybe he's not also totally bad. Right. And then it, like it keeps progressively getting worse. Yeah. Just man, they did a phenomenal job of like storytelling, like you said, Robbie, in this in this episode, and that's what they've done an incredible job of in this series. Um, I mean, despite, you know, only really seeing infected in maybe half of the episodes in this in this series, which I mean, infected are not the the main characters. And it really is interesting that we're that we're I'm I'm like not even sad about not seeing more infected. No. All right, how do you guys feel about that? Like we're are in this zombie apocalyptic world. Are you guys upset that we're not seeing more infected? Like there's a pretty decent balance of like human and infected foes in the video game, but it definitely seems like we're seeing the more human side of things in this series. It's that it's that common threat. That's always kind of still there and you're always kind of still thinking about it. I think they've done a good job of like, it's a human based story and narrative that they're pushing but the common thread is still that there is an infected and they've done a good job of like making sure that is still there. Like it's always seems like it's a possibility to come out at any moment. Kind of like we got in the episode before this where like you just randomly see the one clicker or the one infected in the extra room and then it becomes an issue. Like they've done a good job of like hiding it in the shadows, but like making sure like you're still aware of this, like, like, yes, there is all this human turmoil that they're trying to figure out, but there is still this infected problem that they have to, like, handle and deal with. And they are living in this world with these infected. So I think in that regards, like, I, I don't I don't care if you keep do- telling a really good story like they've been doing, like there doesn't even need to show me that much infected. Like, yeah, I think they've done such a good job story wise that the amount of infected doesn't matter until it has to matter which i assume we're gonna get more big infected episodes coming soon but right now they do such a good job just with story driven narrative that whatever like mm-hmm. the infected are there i know they're there tell me about the story yeah zane you're a big zombie guy are you sad that we're not getting more infected <laughs> the zombie. in the show hey uh yeah i am and that's the one detractor i do have on this show um the way that the storytelling is done is still fantastic. Um, but the difference, especially with the game is they use the infected to drive so much more um, pieces of the story. So like, just for example, in this most recent episode, which adds to the menace that 
or how menacing David is. So in the game, after they have the confrontation, you know, she finds, you know, David and James, and then he sends James back to get the medicine. And then they hold up in that little, like the building there. Well, in the game, you're coming off of a snowstorm. And so while they're there, they get attacked by the infected. And so you have this whole scene where you're fighting off the infected and like you have this moment cause like David's legit, like fighting with you. And so you kind of have a build like this little bit of a camaraderie cause you're helping each other. You're, you know, you have this whole scene where you're like, Oh, okay. This dude, you know, we're trying to survive together. We have this commonality. And then the, all that happens, they kill the infected. And then it has that campfire scene. And so after you just did all this fighting, well then that's when David reveals the, yeah, so we're, looking for, you know, someone killed our guy and he's traveling with a girl. And so then you're like, wait a second. So that's when you, in the game, you realize he knows who Ellie is. And so then you have this menacing feeling more that starts creeping in because you're like, well, he knows who she is. Well, then why did he just help her fight off all these infected? And so that's when it kind of starts more of this. He's way more menacing and he has way more to him than it's revealed. Like that's when it starts. And I feel like you miss some of that from the game. And then to flip to the end of this episode, it's also the missing thing because, you know, Joel in the game, Joel, you know, runs into the building, grabs her. They have that moment. But then the whole second part of that is them escaping that town because, hey, guess what? You just killed these people leader. All those people are then trying to kill you. Whereas in the game, you just killed David and then you just walk off to a lake. What what happened to everyone that was there? Because remember earlier in episode two, yeah. everyone wanted to kill Ellie. And then all of a yeah. sudden you have this lodge on fire and all this stuff going on. And then you don't see a single other person from that town. So yeah, it's like, maybe it, they attacked him at the beginning of this next episode. But. Well, right. That could be it too. It's, you know, could just something we don't see. But I feel like the game and again, like it's been the, the tenant always said, like there's some stuff that doesn't always pull over. There's some mediums that you can't tell. So like they're, hitting all the story notes. I just feel like that at this point, I wish they would have given us more fights that driven some of this story. Cause like the other big one that they skipped was going back to like episode three. Like there was a huge fight part in there with all that. Yeah. Ultimately like that episode gave them the car. Cause they got the, right. but like you skipped a ton of fighting and stuff. Same with the episode seven within the mall. Like it wasn't just one clicker. It was a bunch of them. And like, you could tell that, part of the story with just one. So like, I understand why they did it. So had that impact, but like there's a lot of instances from the game where there's only one or two clickers you see in the show. Like that's a mob in the game. Like yeah, there's right. so much more action, but right. I understand focusing on one of the story and they're doing that part. Right. I just wish that they also included more of the action, but you know, you could get into like, Oh, maybe it's budget constraints. Maybe there's yeah. this, like, I don't know the reason why, they're not doing more of it, but the story, you perfect. know, well done. you know that in season two, there's going to be so many more infected because after the success that this show has had, they're going to like, they're going to ramp we it up. Can, we can afford as many as we want. Like it's going to have so much more, I bet. Right. But I think part of that, and I haven't played the second game. I finally got it when it was on that last PlayStation sale. So like, I will be playing it, but like from what stuff I've heard and talked to other people and seen like, the problem with that though is the second game is far more human driven than like clicker driven or like infected driven because of just the story elements. Now granted I haven't played the game, so I don't know how much of it, the infected right. take place, but from what I've heard, it just seems it's far more human driven. And 
it, it, like the, the first one, they did a good balance. Like in the game, there's a good balance of human conflict and infected conflict. And so in the show, they're nailing the human conflict, but they've really toned down the infected conflict. And I wish that was up, you know, a little higher. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to step in between. We'll probably find a little bit of common ground here, but I think, I don't know if this is a reason why that they decided to do it that way, but it does kind of make sense. And and I haven't watched the walking dead, but a lot of people are saying that the reason the walking dead kind of trails off after the first, whatever, four or five seasons or something is because the walking, the, the zombies in the walking dead don't be, they're not threats anymore after that point, because you see them so much and it just becomes like routine like that. All right. Well, there's some more, there's some more zombies and we got to figure out what's, yeah, but those know, zombies are next. slow and boring. <laughs> yes. Like true. But what, what I'm saying is that the, the more you see of, you know, a common antagonist like that, the yeah. less of a threat they really become. So we've only seen them at a few moments in this show, but in those few moments, I mean, they're freaky and they're the main threat and they're like, it's a big deal during that moment. So again, I don't know if that's the reason why they're doing it that way, but I think it's effective in keeping those moments uh, very, you know, emotionally charged right. and, and really important. So yeah, that, that's one thing that I thought of. Well, it's just All interesting, right. like, cause just, Infected and clickers are not the only evil that's out there in this show, like, or this episode in particular, like show that that is a real thing. Like people are just as evil as the infected are. So obviously like they pushed that and they did a really good job pushing that this episode. And we, there wasn't even a single infected in this episode, right? Yeah. I don't think there was, I don't think there was a single one. I don't think there was. No, so because like, yeah, that was that was the point. Like the the beginning part of this arc in the game mm-hmm. has your huge infected fight, whereas they the real wasn't monsters in this are the people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sometimes, yeah. Thanos oh. was right. <laughs> the moment, the moment they walk. Oh my gosh, the moment they walk into that shed. Is it Joel? Joel, I think walks Joel into the shed. Into me, yeah, and. He like kind of pushes aside whatever the first stuff, and there's like three people hanging there, like skinned and stuff. Yeah. I was like, like oh, 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 oh boy, yikes! We even, Big we didn't yikes even there. talk about how Joel tortured people in this episode. I sent a message to Max, who usually is the our main host, I guess you could say, for these <laughs> yeah. and I was like, Max, like, what was it? Episode two was like, yeah. they keep saying Joel's a badass. Let me Max see Joel being badass. The moment he said that, Joel's I was a in the badass, my in guy. That, in like, that episode two, I was like, Max. You just wait, dude. Right. <laughs> you just wait. My guy just like tore a guy's kneecap off <laughs> and then made him then, point to a part of the map and then killed him. And then like, kills him. <laughs> like, goodness gracious. In front of the bro. other guy. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That was wild. Little, just a couple quick hitters before we close out here. Um, Troy Baker, who plays the voice of oh, yeah. Joel, yep. actually plays James, who is David's like right hand man in this. So I thought that was cleaver in the neck. Yeah, in the cleaver neck. in the neck. That was that was pretty wild. But I, that was a really really cool like nod to the series. And you know that's that's just like a, a testament to um, Neil Druckmann. You know, yeah. basically being a writer and a showrunner 
for this show. Like it's so cool that they can, you know, and I know they have like Marlene, uh, the voice actor that played Marlene played Marlene in this series as well. And I think there's the voice actor that plays Ellie also is involved in this somehow. I'm, well, I'm she, not, so I believe so. Well, I think she's the voice actor and I think she also does the mo-capping for it too, but oh, she's, yeah. Um, she does. Uh, what's do her name? Is it Ash, Ashley Johnson? Yeah, something like and, that. But I believe she's going to be a next episode because she's playing oh, Ellie's mom okay. in a flashback. And so gotcha. I think you got a tease of it. Like if you watch through the very end right, of the credits, the, how they do mm-hmm. the next episode tease, you see a brief clip of it. And mm-hmm. so she's yeah. playing Ellie's mom in a flashback. And I believe that'll yeah. be next episode. See, I, yeah. I thought that she wasn't going to be in it at all. I thought I saw something about that, but maybe I could be completely wrong. Because there, there was this, there was a thing going out um, when the show started, and she was getting like a bunch of people saying like she should be Ellie, and she was like, "Guys, I have like an office job now, like I don't do right. that anymore." Or something <laughs> right. like that. <laughs> so I don't know. I thought that she wasn't in it, but if she is, that's cool. Like that's really cool. They go yeah, back. Well, that's right. Yeah, giving she... the credit to the people who like started. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a minor like a throwback role, so it wasn't like sure. a full thing like what Troy Baker got. But she right. is. She will be in it. Yeah, pretty cool nod though. That's that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. So, um, anyways, final ratings, Robbie. What did you rate this episode? Gosh, this is like this show has been so good, and like every episode is a banger. And it's like, can you can you say every single episode is a six out of six? There's maybe one or two that are like five and a halves, but like this episode is a six. Like this entire series is a six. Like I I. If I get nitpicky, I can get nitpicky, but I am enjoying this so much and the writing is so good and the tension is so well built that I can't give it anything but a six at this point. Like, it's just, it's so damn good. It's so good. Agreed. Uh, Zane, what's your rating? Yeah. uh, Yeah, I think I got to just the impact and the power of the story on this one. I got to say six out of six. Like I'm, I am really bummed about the lack of the action that, that we didn't get, you know, that whole fighting off the clicker scene and just mm. different things like that. But from a story stuff, storytelling standpoint and for what this establishes as Ellie as a whole, like it, it's a six out of six. Cause it's just like they hit the story that needed to be told. And it's, it's a very impactful story. So I think that overpowers my want for the fighting. Yeah. I think you nailed it, Robbie. Every single episode of this series, I've been saying it's a six out of six. And then they go out the next episode. And I don't know. It's hard to say that they topped the previous episode. But like I look at these episodes and it's so hard to find things that I don't like about the episode. Mm -hmm. So how can I give it any less than a six? It's like so stinking good. So I also give it a six out of six. Infinity Snap for episode eight of the last of us. Um, it's this series is so good and it's going to be, I would be shocked if it is not our, um, d- does not win our Stanley for 2020 oh, yeah. best show of the year. Like I, I think it definitely will. It's, it's just been an incredible show. Series finale is coming up this weekend already, which is, is wild to think about. So it is the shortest episode of the season. I just read that. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, and they've been solid lengths. I feel like, like anywhere from been. fifty-five to yeah. An this hour isn't this isn't minutes. Disney with with twenty-minute right. episodes and fifteen minutes of credits. Like, 
yeah. it's an actual so, full length. It's a little shorter, and we still get you know we still get some good resolution. I think I'm all right with that, but we'll see how it goes. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on episode eight, when we are in need of the Last of Us, or on episode two of the Mandalorian, go ahead and hit us up on social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok theinfinityrose.com you can email us at infinityrosepodcast at gmail.com Robbie thank you so much for joining us today it's been a it's been a blast my brother I had a good time you've never called me brother before that was <laughs> my brother weird. Oh, it's <laughs> a moment it's a moment so, it someone bit, on know? TikTok or no it was YouTube did say three triplets I think last time that us three that was yeah it was, was me you I think it was me you and Mark yeah they were like triplets all, th- all that's three all they of us said. had beards they didn't yeah, say anything triplets. except for triplets okay 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 oh. thank you respect <laughs> thank you <laughs> zane thank you also for joining us of course happy to be here it's a good time you know always 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 fun to hang out we get we get zane like i think we've gotten zane like four or five episodes of this last of us reviews that we've been doing it's been a lot of fun it's like it's like an infinity bros record you might have like doubled the amount of episodes you're on in the well, past I'm, like couple months got him I've always been, well, it's like, I always say, if you do AM episodes, I'm going to be there pretty much every single time. That's true. But like, you guys are like, oh, I have kids and I work a normal (laughs) job. I mean, I don't work a normal job, but. (laughs) Well, you're elite like me, so. Yeah. All elite. And there's people like Robbie. And thank you, Infinity Rose Universe, for making us a part of your podcasting experience. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we appreciate you. Well, guys, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Love you, 3000. Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.